count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. It's time for another episode of the Wooten and Why Show. Welcome back to another episode of the Wooten Wire Show. I'm Josh Wire. Week 11 is in the books. Thanksgiving is here. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And this week, I'm very thankful uh, to have this man joining the show uh, for, I think it's the fourth time this season, um, probably many more ahead, uh, Scott Langford, especially if his Eagles are flying. It's a pleasure to... You know someone's invested in the NFL when their team's doing well. Uh, I can understand some Packers fans checking out, Colts fans like myself checking out. But uh, Scott Langford on the line, he's definitely tuning in every week to watch his beloved Eagles play. What's going on, buddy? It's a good time to be alive. It is a great. It's a great time to be alive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Your Eagles are absolutely flying. Uh, Woot's Eagles absolutely flying as well. Uh, apologies for him. Uh, he's unavailable this week. Uh, his status for the next few weeks is up in the air as well. So we'll have some. Uh, a uh, sort of a uh, carousel of uh, special guest hosts joining me over the next few weeks. Eliminator Challenge as well. We have a winner in our Eliminator Challenge, Scott. It lasted 11 weeks. Can you believe that? I can't, considering how many uh, upsets we've had this year. It's been a topsy-turvy year, so the last 11 weeks. Yeah. Congrats to the guy that got up. Yeah, exactly. So we had four left, and four people were in it for about three or four weeks in a row where we kept winning. And then all three of us, uh, we announced our pick on the pod, and I think... Not sure if they went out on their own or they copied what it, what we picked, but we thought, look, Andy Reid, he's sixteen and two after the bye, playing the the Giants who stink. Uh, that's that's an easy one. Let's lock that down. So the three of us bow out, and we have our winner, uh, Anthony. Um, I think he's whodat underscore sixty six on ESPN um, in our group there. So he's our last man standing. He is the winner of our eliminator challenge. Uh, congratulations to him. Uh, he has an NFL jersey coming his way. Drew Brees' jersey uh, is his request, I believe. Um, and Anthony and everyone else tuning in, if you want to win, Anthony can win again if he wants. Um, leave us an iTunes review. You can go in t- into the draw to win a signed jersey. So you could double down and get a signed uh, Drew Brees' jersey as well. So please leave us an iTunes review and you'll go into the draw uh, for that. Anyway, some housekeeping out of the way. Let's uh, Let's talk... Week 11, what was your favorite thing from week 11, Scott? Uh, my favorite thing, as much as I love Jake Elliott, my favorite thing was Camus Grugier-Hill launching absolute bombs on the kickoffs for Philly. You don't usually see a linebacker uh, out there doing kickoffs. We saw Jeff Heath for Dallas the other week, but I think we've best seen the best position player uh, kicking for Philly this year. It was amazing to watch. I didn't even know that guy was a real person in the NFL until I saw that, but he was absolutely... Just booming, uh, booming kicks. It's pretty cool to watch. Uh, mine was, I think, probably I got a couple. I, I think Nathan Peterman, um, the mess there. So after he threw, I think his fourth interception, there was there was talk that Tyrod was going to get put in, and then when they went with Peterman for one more go, fans at L, in the LA Stadium were actually booing Nathan Peterman and the Bills. I I just can't understand. I don't think people underestimate the impact of that. You have, you're in an opposing stadium and you're getting booed. 
like, and you're getting hammered, like, you, you think the team would be cheering. The the stadium was booing the Bills. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You'd think that uh, Sean McDermott would be happy to just take the L, but to double down after at least three interceptions, let alone four, uh, at one stage he had more interceptions than he had completions uh, to his own team. We were saying, you know, privately, even before halftime, like if Tyrod Taylor wasn't in at halftime, we should, they should uh, fire McDermott on the spot. It was ridiculous to watch that because, yeah, as you can imagine, that was a sort of effort that was degrading to the the spectacle of that game. You know, the first three interceptions, obviously the crowd would be going nuts, but at some point, obviously the Chargers fans were like, are we going to see an actual game here or is this going to be a walkover? Yeah. So, and yeah, it, really it, weird. It was a walkover, although Tyrod at least led some scoring drives uh, later on in the game. Um, so for all the good that, that McDermott's done over the past sort of six to eight weeks in rebuilding the Bills, he's just undone it in one um, questionable decision uh, in terms of starting Peterman over over Tyrod. And it got to a point where I actually really felt sorry for Nathan Peterman because he's a fifth-round quarterback that wasn't ready, and he got thrown in um, up against Joey Bosa and, and Melvin Ingram, the best sort of pass-rushing duo in the NFL. And it's just that's not fair on him. And I know, you know, he made the passes and made the decisions, but he's not ready. I don't think that's on him. It was a panic move by the Bills coaching staff. They obviously came hot out of the block, so were you know, in contention in the wildcard race. Um, we had McDermott speaking a couple of weeks ago as a coach of the year candidate. They lost a couple of games. It was a panic move to try and make a change when they really should have just stuck with Tyrod. Um, you know, know what works. The better the devil you know, uh, so to speak. And, yeah, it was perplexing to actually see the move in the first place and even weirder to see him double down like that. Although in saying that, probably best thing to get me off the podcast because so far this year I've picked Oakland and the Giants and Houston to make the Super Bowl. And then three weeks ago we were talking up Sean McDermott as Coach of the Year. So I am a classic jinx. Yep. So, so might, cut me off now. So spoiler alert, I've noticed uh, with your Super Bowl picks, a segment that we do here, uh, <laughs> you haven't mentioned Philly uh, for obvious reasons. So uh, that makes <laughs> that makes sense. Um, with with the Tyrod situation, and, and we'll move on in, in a second um, with some other favorite things from Week 11, but it, it just seems like he didn't even play that bad to be benched to begin with. It's not his fault that they leaked 300 yards or whatever it was on the ground to the Saints. That's that's not on Tyrod at all, and there's been some, some race talk, and it seems apparent to me that he's not the white quarterback for them. Yeah, I mean... See what I did there? Thanks. I see what you did there. There was a there was a chuck there was a chuckle in the background of the Langford household. Um, no, yeah, it is it is perplexing. I mean, if you look at the the overall scheme of things, the quarterbacks um, you know in this league, you're going to do a lot worse than Tyrod Taylor. You really do a lot better, but better quarterbacks don't just go on trees. And they've got a guy who is capable and competent at the quarterback position. Uh, they've paid him a lot of money because they know he is a valuable asset. Uh, to that team until they have the opportunity to, to find someone better than him. But in saying that, he, he's nowhere near um, you know the, the level of ineptness that other quarterbacks around the league have. So, yep. yeah, it's, it's really tough to see a guy like that. It's just perplexing yep. um, how he can get that much hate. Exactly. Uh, and speaking of uh, you know bad quarterback play, uh, this other guy who produced another favorite moment from Week 11 uh, in terms of Brock Osweiler, he he's, he should be thankful. Speaking of Thanksgiving as well, he should be giving thanks to Nathan Peterman, who took a little bit of heat off Osweiler 
um, because no one was talking about his or Jay Cutler's performance because Peterman was just so awful um, that it was, you know, the shiny object over on distracting them from, from the crap that they were producing. But um, his pre-snap call of saying, no, goddammit, no, um, made me laugh and, and brought back memories to uh, to Peyton Manning's goddammit Donald. Um, I think he was playing the Eagles, actually, the, the goddammit Donald call. I can't remember that one specifically, but, yeah, I mean, thinking of uh, Osweiler sort of getting bailed out, it's funny to think on that, that goal line interception that he has that Kirk, uh, Kirkpatrick was even bigger fool on that play. So countless times Brock Osweiler is getting a, a chop out in terms of being the most embarrassing thing in the, the NFL right now. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll get to Paxton Lynch starting a little bit later. Yep. I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about Brock. Yep, definitely. And one last thing before we move on, uh, this is not NFL related at all. But this appeared on Twitter during the week, uh, and it is kind of related. The Georgia Dome is the former uh, home of the Falcons. Uh, the Weather Channel set up a uh, like a tripod camera to film the showing of that demolition. And I don't know if you saw this, Scott, but when it was about to explode, a bus pulled up in front of it um, to pick up some passengers on the road, and it missed the entire uh, thing. I cannot yeah. stop watching that. It, is, it makes yeah. me laugh so much. Yeah, the Marta bus has got a fair bit of meme uh, time on Twitter and Facebook the last few days, and I don't think that's the last we'll see of it. <laughs> it, it. It is just like a scene out of Curb Your Enthusiasm or Seinfeld or something, but in real life, uh, it's just it is a, an absolute dream. Uh, I'm getting the feeling that on bye weeks, Chuck Pagano must be a bus driver. That's a very Chuck Pagano sort of thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> it's very Chuck Pagano. Three, snap, uh, Normally we do have our round reviews, but we're going to give them a miss this week because there's just so much football going on, and we're going to just uh, preview the three Thanksgiving games, and then we'll come back to the rest of the round later on in the show. So um, if you are tuning in before uh, or in between Thanksgiving games here on a Friday as we are recording this on a Thursday night, um, let's start with the very early game, 4.30 a.m. start in Sydney and Melbourne, 3.30 if you're in Queensland. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. Three three games back-to-back-to-back. It's just uh, one of the best days, football days of the year. But starting off, Minnesota Vikings travel to Detroit Lions. Uh, rivalry game. Lions beat them 14-7 to in the Vikings building earlier on in the season. Vikings looking for revenge. This is a really good game to kickstart Thanksgiving. Yeah, this is a huge game, not just in terms of kicking off Thanksgiving, but has really big stakes in terms of uh, that division uh, and the playoff race in what is a very tight NFC. So this is easily the one game I'm looking forward to tomorrow the most. Um, I'm probably going to be the most excited at 4.30 a.m., and then by the time we have Washington and uh, New York, I'll well and truly be tuned out. You'll be tuning into the Ashes uh, probably at that point. More than likely, yeah. Yep. My thoughts on this game are I I do think the Vikings are going to win the game. If I look back over the last three weeks, the Vikings have had far more impressive wins. Um, Washington, who are are no easy beats, as we saw last week, um, pushing the Saints until the final uh, overtime, actually, so beyond the final siren. And we also saw the Vikings, you know, lay the smackdown on on the St. Louis Rams and the number one rated offense in the NFL, whereas the the Lions have beaten up the Browns, the Bears, and the Aaron Rodgers-less Packers. Uh, and the Lions really struggled to beat the Bears last week. They're a very one-dimensional offense. I think the Vikings will be able to shut them down. And don't look now, but Case Keenum is is killing it right now. And I think Adam Thielen is probably 
an all-pro wide receiver right now. If you're picking a team, and I know we picked a team a few weeks ago, obviously John Dre Hopkins is still playing well despite no Deshaun Watson, but I think he's at least in the top three there for that conversation as, as the all-pro wide receiver. Um, he's just playing outstanding football right now. Yeah, he's been amazing this year. He's one of those guys that obviously isn't on anyone's radar because he's playing, I guess, for the Minnesota Vikings, but also, you know, he's a, I don't know if he was a seventh round or sixth round receiver. Um, you know, they have guys on that roster, um, you know, clearly ahead of him on the depth chart on the face of things. But yeah, he's definitely a guy that almost like Julian, uh, Julian Edelman has just come from nowhere uh, to really cement his spot as you know, one of the best pass catchers in the game this year. I definitely agree that he'd be very stiff not to be in the conversation, if not get you know an all-pro or pro-ball nod with pro-ball voting currently being open. Yep. Going back to the Lions, though, you know, we mentioned they've, they've beat up on, on bad teams. That's what good teams need to do anyway. You obviously Fair. can't fault. They, they've got who they've got on their, on their schedule. But in saying that, uh, they did win at Minnesota in Week 4. So they've shown that they can beat... Um, you know, Minnesota uh, and division games like this, you never know what's going to happen in a division game. You know, usually uh, pass form goes out the window when you're playing a division game. So I'm high on the lines to be able to win this. As I said, it's going to be really interesting, especially within the division, because if the Lions can get up in this one, they'll be a game behind having swept the Vikings this year. And all of a sudden the Vikings, who you know, a lot of people are expecting to be in the hunt for a one or two seed, may not necessarily even be clear in their own division. So huge stakes on this one tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to it. I'll probably pick uh, – I don't think who I picked on the uh, on the show. I'll pick the Lions. I'll stick with that just for a little bit of a, an onion hanger. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, definitely agree. Minnesota is going to take a lot to try and beat. They're finding uh, you know, the right form at the right time of year. Yeah, and we're going to get to the AFC South in one of our three-point stance in the next uh, segment. But the – the Vikings, after this game, they play the Falcons and the Panthers, two really inconsistent teams that on their day could could beat the Vikings. You could see a scenario where that happens. So, yeah, you're right. This this And we know how easy the Lions' schedule is down the stretch. I think this is probably going to be their toughest game um, against the Vikings. So, yeah, if they do win this and, and the Vikings do drop a game, you know, the division is not completely out of reach for the Lions. As, as you know, as average as they are compared to the Vikings, I do think the Vikings are a much... Better team. I've locked in the Vikings. I think uh, I think they'll win, um, and uh, not comfortably, but I think the Lions have been saucy at home on Thanksgiving the last few weeks. But it's a great game to to kickstart Thanksgiving. I really like the second game Thanksgiving as well. I think this is for Dallas. I think this is a loser go home loser goes home game. Um, look, the Chargers they don't want to lose this game given their given their schedule down the stretch and that they're still alive in the AFC, but they they still can afford to lose this game and and still make the playoffs. So. Not as much on the line for the Chargers, but still a lot on the line for them. Um, the Chargers would obviously prefer to win this game, and that would mean that they could afford to maybe lose a game against the Chiefs or the Redskins down the stretch because they have some ga- some some easier games against the Jets and the Raiders and teams like that. But the Chargers, it, it all comes down to the Cowboys, whether Tyrone Smith plays, and it's trending in the direction that he will play. But then how fit and healthy is he going to be? And that's the question. And if he's not playing, then I think the Chargers will, will win. I think Ingram and Bosa will be able to get to Dak and shut down this offense. And the Chargers are good enough to get it done. Keenan Allen is just matchup proof. He's an, an elite wide receiver. He's killing it right now. And I think the Chargers can uh, win this game, going to Dallas and win this game. Yeah, I'm going with the Cowboys. I think their backs are against the wall on this one. Um, as you said, I'm thinking they're going to get Tyron back. So that's going to make a huge difference 
in what Dallas has been able to do. The fact that they've given up, they've hemorrhaged points uh, with Tyron Smith out of the lineup. That's not a coincidence uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And they're going to need him, as you said, uh, if they're going to be able to deal with a very formidable pass rush. Um, you know, the, the Chargers, they're in a weird spot. You know, they, we joke about them always finding the best way to lose. They lose the unlosable games. And yet here they are in a division that's ended up becoming a, a train wreck very fast. And, yeah, if, if they can get up in this one, um, you know, all of a sudden they're not just within a sniff of, of making the playoffs. Um, you know, they could be one of those unlikely teams that if they can just figure it out uh, and, and get those losing ways uh, out of their system, you know, who knows what they'll be able to do. They're almost like Baltimore uh, in terms of they could just fall ass backwards into the playoffs. Yeah. And then from there, who knows what could happen with an experienced quarterback like Philip Rivers. But yeah, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Um, yeah, they've, they've played two very formidable teams with two very formidable uh, pass rushes. Uh, as a, a hoon goes hooning down my street, you might have heard that. <laughs> you definitely heard that. <laughs> yeah. He's a, Mrs. Langford he's just uh, wreaking havoc on the street again. <laughs> just cutting donuts. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, uh, yeah, well, it's Keeps the, the the podcast nice and fresh and vibrant. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with the Cowboys at home though. Um, this is this is a franchise that's too proud. They know that they're still within the hunt of a uh, of a playoff spot. Uh, if they lose this one, they as you said, that, this might be a lose go home for them. It's going to be a tall uh, hill to climb for them. But I'll, as an Eagles fan, I'm going to go with the Cowboys, and it hurts me to say that. Yep, I saw a video on Instagram or Snapchat of uh, Jerry Jones dabbing. So I'm definitely picking oh. the Chargers, um, and they yeah. may win by 50. So as Laurie, as Laurie Horash tweeted, that is conduct detrimental. Yeah, that is it. Um, sack him right now, remove him from office, uh, whatever you can. Um, I do not want to see that. I cannot unsee it. Um, it was it was terrible, atroc- atrocity on the eyes. Um, but I think the Chargers get it done. I, and yeah, I think they're a sneaky team. I, I actually think that I know that without looking at their record, they're one of the probably the top 11 or 12 teams in the NFL right now, the Chargers. And I, I, and so are the Cowboys. I'm not buying this whole Dak Prescott can't play with Ezekiel Elliott thing. It just happened to be that he lost Zeke and Tyrone at the same time. Um, and it turns out if you take three of the best four players out of a team, and that's Sean Lee as well, your team's not going to be as good as it normally is. Uh, that's a, a bold claim, I know, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to sit here and say that the Philadelphia Eagles are four touchdowns better than Dallas because they've clearly been better this year. But, yeah, we we were extremely lucky to face a team that was bereft of, you know, one of their best defensive players, their best offensive tackle, uh, even a clutch kicker like uh, Dan Bailey. So yeah. when you get those guys back, they're a lot better team. So yep. uh, you, know, you can't make any excuses for Dallas. They are hurting uh, for legitimate reasons. Yep. Going back to the Chargers, though, I mean, the Chargers are the kind of team that can lose to Miami. Uh, but then they almost beat the Eagles, uh, yep. for that matter. And yep. they almost beat they almost beat New England yep. uh, at Foxborough, apart from you know that botched uh, punt return, yep. which went nowhere. Uh, they really should have beaten Jacksonville. Yeah, um, so they're a team that can go into anywhere and win, but then could lose at home to the Browns. That that's the, the charges. The the range of outcomes is zero to a hundred. It is, and and that's what makes it so difficult to. You, know, you want to get behind them to make this run to try and contend in the AFC West, but at the same time, you just know you're going to get burned. Yep. So, yeah, that's what, that's half of why I went for the Cowboys, to be honest. All right, last game for Thanksgiving, and, and not quite the headline act that we uh, deserve, but uh, what, uh, the New York Giants, who played Kansas City tough last week, I'll give them credit. Um, they, they stepped up. Obviously, that McAdoo 
locker room speech did something for the team. How long that'll last is a totally different question. But uh, they they place they face sorry the Washington Redskins. Uh, this one's pretty straightforward for me. I'm going to take the Redskins at home. Um, they've been a competitive team all year. They've they've lost a couple of games um, very narrowly and, and has pushed them out of contention. But I think they win this game and uh, should do it comfortably. Yeah, I mean, the New York Giants may have saved Ben McAdoo's job. Um, I've never actually seen my wife, Giants fan, be more upset that her team won than last week. Oh, I think he's definitely. I think he's definitely getting. I think he's definitely getting fired. I, I, oh, he's definitely getting fired, but it certainly doesn't help uh, yeah. when they go out and, and beat a team like that. Yep. Uh, maybe it was the Andy Reid influence. He can't go into uh, into New York. The last time he was in New York, I was there, and that was the last game he coached as a Philadelphia Eagles coach. Hmm. Um, so fun fact there. I'm going Washington as well. Um, they, they're a very good football team to be four and six. Um, they're probably not deserving to be at that record. They've played some very good teams. They've played the Eagles twice. We saw they went to New Orleans and had them on the ropes. If not for that choke job, they would have beaten New Orleans. They've gone into Seattle and beaten Seattle. They've gone into LA and beaten LA. So they're a good football team to be at four and six. Uh, and they should be able to handle a team like uh, the New York Giants, you would think. But again, as I said, division games are always uh, really weird to pick. Sometimes form lines go out the door and... Um, you know, maybe the Giants have a chance here, but I'll go for Washington. Yep. Talking tidbits. All right, some talking tidbits now. We won't spend too long on this because we want to get to the rest of the show. But the 2018 Hall of Fame nominees were announced uh, for 2018 for next year's Hall of Fame. Um, some some names, some household names uh, on the list. Uh, obviously, we know Terrell Owens and and Edron James, and, and those type of guys. But um, some names popping up include uh, Ray Lewis, Randy Moss, uh, Richard Seymour, Brian Erlacher. Um, what's your thoughts on this uh, on this class? This is going to be a really interesting class to see uh, who makes the cuts. Uh, easily the most interesting battle uh, will be Randy Moss and Terrell Owens, both being on the ballot. The form line and logic says that they generally don't let two guys of the same position in on the same year. Um, so if they were to follow that model, you'd think that Randy Moss would probably have the edge considering that he really should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But at the same time, I said this on Twitter earlier in the week, I'm willing to fight and die on the hill for Terrellons to get in. Yeah. He should have been in last year. I want to use the term once in a generation player to describe Terrell Owens, but I can't because he played alongside Jerry Rice and in the same era as Randy Moss. But that's exactly what he was. He was a once in a generation talent. Um, there's, there's only two wide receivers in the history of the NFL who have had multiple seasons of 15 plus touchdowns. It's Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. Terrell Owens has one season over 15. He has a 15, year, uh, 15 touchdown season in Dallas. And he had a 14-touchdown uh, season in Philly where he only played 13 games. Yep. So he could easily be on that list. He is an absolute jet of a player. I get the feeling, though, he's going to be uh, harshly done by for a second year in a row just based on the fact that they wouldn't want to put him and uh, Randy Moss in the same year. There are a couple of others on the list. Uh, it would be interesting to see uh, how they go in terms of uh, their second or third or however many times they've been on the, the list. Brian Dawkins is probably another one as, a, as an Eagles yeah. homer. I'd love to see him get in. Um, John Lynch is probably going to be the one that would hold him out. That's probably going to be another really interesting one. It's John Lynch versus uh, Brian Dawkins if they only let one free safety in. 
because both those guys deserve to be there. Um, yep. And then there's a couple of other contributors. I mean, uh, Bobby Beathard or Bobby Bethard, uh, if you want to pronounce it uh, correctly, <laughs> uh, which obviously that name rings a bell to all the fans in the NFL this year, the grandfather uh, of CJ. Yeah. Uh, Steve Hutchinson and Rondé Barber in there for the first time. And then Ray Lewis versus uh, Brian Erlach is going to be really interesting as well. Yep. Uh, if they only one of those guys in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, look, uh, there's a whole heap of names. My, my one problem is... Ray Lewis will go first ballot. He's going to be nominated first ballot, and that's fine. On the field, he is you know, one of the best inside linebackers of all time. But my issue is, how can you ignore his off-the-field stuff and then use Terrell Owens' quote-unquote bad locker room guy as a reason to hold him out, but then Ray Lewis's, uh, you know, beefs, and then to a degree Marvin Harrison last year, and then you let those guys in, that that's going to be an issue that I hate. And that's not a, a slide at Lewis or Owens. It's more the voters. Yeah. It's going to be interesting as well. You think of Randy Moss. He wasn't exactly a saint either. He got pushed out of Minnesota. He got pushed out of Oakland. Yep. Uh, he got pushed out of New England for all intents and purposes. He obviously wasn't as big a diva as, as someone like Owens was doing crunches in his driveway, but yeah, he, he wasn't exactly a saint either. So it's really weird that, um, you know, we're willing to ignore, what is clearly Hall of Fame uh, talent and a career just based on a few little indiscretions that, you yeah. know, in the grand scheme of things are, are petty. Yeah, you know, you, You're talking about guys guys like Aaron Hernandez who are killing guys and, you know, Terrell Owens is sort of screaming loudly at Donovan McNabb. Um, you know, yeah. Apples and oranges on that one. Yeah, it is. And, you know, for me, the position thing annoys me as well. Like, I'd, I'd like to see all three of these wide receivers, Torrey Holt, uh, Randy Moss and Terrell Owens all get in at the same time. I think that'd be a, an awesome thing. It'd just be like the all wide receiver class. Um, some of the guys yeah. I, I would like to see get in personally, Edron James being a Colts fan. And then Ty Law, uh, I hated him as a, you know, early year, but he was, he's a fantastic corner. Um, and was, a compl- you know, was one of the reasons that their team was so good in the early Brady years was Ty Law and, and Teddy Bruschi and that, and that, uh, Pat's defense. That was part of the main reason for their dynasty. Um, in the early 2000s there. But we won't spend too much time on this. We'll move on to uh, the next thing. And it's a lot of AFC West scrambling this week. So the Raiders, they fired Ken Norton Jr. Um, so he was pretty much the scapegoat for this underachieving team. But, you know, they haven't got an interception this season at all. This is a record stuff. I think no team has... I think they've now set the record because I think it was no team through eight games. And now they're at, at 11 now, 11 weeks um, without an interception in a season, which is crazy when you consider how fluky interceptions can be on tips and things that there's just no one there to to ball hawk and, and pick off something and, and and take a take a pass and, and grab it and take it away. So they've got a, a legal six takeaways this this season. So it is pretty crazy. John Pagano. Oh, when I hear that name, I shudder. But Pagano is now the defensive coordinator in Oakland. Yeah, I mean, Oakland have been one of the underperforming teams this year. And as you mentioned, it's probably a bit of a scapegoat move. Um, It's something that needed to be done, as you mentioned, for all those reasons. The key stats uh, that we can all look at, I don't want to be a box score uh, analyst, but you can't really dispute when you're you're not being able to sack the quarterback, you're not being able to create turnovers. Um, You know, something has to change. And you've got to keep in mind that they've played some pretty poor quarterbacks this year. Uh, they probably feel a bit slighted that they didn't play the Buffalo Bills uh, a couple. They didn't play Nathan Peterman a couple of weeks ago when they played the Bills. Um, yeah, they played Jay Cutler 
They've played uh, Joe Flacco. They've played uh, Trevor Simeon. They've played uh, whoever the Jets quarterback was in week two. Josh McCown. McCown, wouldn't it? Yep. Yeah, so you know, they have played quarterbacks sort of prone to making mistakes and good defense setups would be able to, to prey on those sort of uh, weaknesses. And yeah, the fact that they haven't been able to create turnovers, turnovers are what make the difference between a team going six and 10 and 10 and six. Yep. Um, you know, so it's a move that may see, uh, you know, they make a little bit of a change, but they're probably out of it at this point. So yep. it's, it's a bit confusing why they wouldn't just make this change at season's end. Yeah, and you mentioned all the bad quarterbacks they play, but still opposing passes are posting 113.3 quarterback rating uh, when they face the Raiders. So um, definitely something to consider. Khalil Mack cannot do it all on himself. Um, The man needs some help. Um, Moving on, the Broncos, uh, you mentioned Trevor Simeon. So they fired Mike McCoy. Uh, He's been disappointing. Another sort of scapegoat move from the Broncos. Uh, John Elway, despite um, producing or not replacing the crap that they have at quarterback, um, has labelled the team soft instead of looking at the mirror himself. Um, but Mike McCoy, it's kind of weird that they sacked him now when all the talk in the offseason was Paxton Lynch is a perfect quarterback for Mike McCoy's offence, and now they start Paxton Lynch. Yeah, this is probably even bigger scapegoat mood. Um, you know, to put it bluntly, you can't polish a turd. It's incredibly unfair that a guy would get slighted like this, lose his job based on the fact that he's given a quarterback room that John Elway has. As you mentioned, it's one of those things where Elway needs to look in the mirror and understand why the Broncos are struggling at the quarterback position this year. Um, but in saying that, again, you know, sometimes teams need to make these knee-jerk moves to try and generate a little bit of change. But considering they've made a change by firing McCoy and then also making a change by putting Lynch in, you know, one or the other. You could have easily kept Mike McCoy to give him a chance with Paxton Lynch uh, and see where it goes from there. And again, if it's not working in the offseason, potentially make a move at both quarterback and the, the OC position. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't outraged when this move was made, but I was definitely a head-scratcher considering that, you know, McCoy is definitely not the reason why the Broncos uh, have been struggling of late. Yeah, I definitely want to see how Lynch goes here, but it seems very clear that the Broncos will have to go um, in a different direction at the quarterback position at season's end. Um, there will be plenty of names out there. Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, Tyrod Taylor, any one of those quarterbacks with this Broncos defense, and John Elway would not be calling them soft. So if he just did his job better in the offseason, um, the Broncos would be in a far better position because I know they've leaked a lot of points, but the Broncos have had to deal with um, a lot of special teams errors that cost them points against New England and some short field scenarios as well. So I don't think... The Broncos' defense is as bad as what their points are leaking out as well. So um, I want to see Paxton Lynch, but I think we'll see a completely different quarterback room in Denver next season. I can see Trevor Simeon being a backup somewhere, kind of like a Case Keenum-type um, move where you wouldn't be surprised in a year or two if, if Simeon has to start for a team with a, a creative offensive coordinator and can get some stuff done. Uh, moving on. Oh. The, pardon? No, yep. I'm good. Yeah, you're good. Uh, the Chiefs, they signed Darrell Revis today to a two-year contract. So if we did the show last night, we wouldn't have got this saucy little nugget. Um, the Re- the Chiefs, um, they've had some... Apparently, uh, they've been interested in Revis for a while, but they couldn't get the move done. Um, but they finally got it done. So it's a, kind of a splash move for the secondary. They've struggled all season to find someone opposite Marcus Peters. Philip Gaines... Um, is mostly responsible for other teams' gains uh, through the air. And I'm interested to see how this goes, but I'm not confident at all that Revis is going to be the answer. 
I mean, you scored nine points last week. That's not Revis's. Revis ain't going to help that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a risk free move to be honest. Um, it's it's a move made because they know that the division is slipping and they're standing in the AFC is slipping, so they want to try and make a change and see if it generates a little bit more fire within this team. If it fails, you know, they're not going to go backwards. Um, you know, they're already struggling at quarterback, as they, as you said. Good but point. if it does pan out and he's being able to you know, contribute at least just a presence on the field uh, and give someone opposite Peters, then yeah, that might be a positive. But it's, it's risk-free. Um, you know, I don't know if they can cut him after the, or what the, the cap it is if they cut him after this year. But yeah, yeah there's, there's not exactly a... Uh, yeah, much riding on this on this move at all, so yeah. I don't mind it. Yeah, exactly, and you make a good point. He can't be worse than Philip Gaines, and look, some quarterbacks will look on the other side of the field and see Revis on the jersey and not want to go down that path. Um, a smart quarterback will remove the name from the jersey and, and watch the tape over the last two years, and I think it was Marquise Goodwin torched him a couple of times. Um, I think Goodwin was playing for the Jets at the time, I think, or the Bills or wherever Revis is playing, he he got torched very very easily by Goodwin. So that that is something to monitor. But uh, he definitely adds some experience and some coaching into that, at least into the uh, locker room. Exactly right. Three point stance. Three point stance time, and let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I just want to say that they're frauds. They're frauds, Scott. The Kansas City Chiefs are frauds. Are they? Yes, they're they're frauds. They do this every year. Every single they, year, they they, they they buy us in. They they win regular season games, and everyone buys into them. And then they struggle again. And I don't care if they go on a run now with an easy schedule coming up and and get some wins together against some bad teams. I'm not going to buy into them until they win a hard playoff game. Yeah, well, I was actually going to say we should be thankful that the Kansas City Chiefs uh, have saved us a couple of months and instead of capitulating in the playoffs, have at least allowed us to do it in week 11 um, to see who they really are. This happens to a lot of teams. You think about the Minnesota Vikings last year. Uh, they started 5-0 and or 6-0, and whatever they did, uh, hit a wall uh, and lost about four or five um, you know, in quick succession. Exact same things happened to the Chiefs. Um, and you know, you've, written, you've written on the, on the rundown, you know, week one seems like a long, long, long time ago. They won that battle against New England, but... Quite clearly, they've come out the other side um, well and truly the inferior team in that in that discussion, haven't they? Yeah, as I said, you can win a battle against New England, but you cannot win a war. Um, you know, they lost, they won that game, but they lost Eric Berry, and that's just something they haven't been able to replace all season. He did a fantastic job in shutting down Gronk, but I just have no confidence in them beating the beating the Steelers or beating the Patriots in the playoffs. That you know, they might luck into versing some lousy six seed, whoever that's going to be this year. But even if it is the ch- the Chargers or even the Ravens, I'm not that confident that they can get a win um, against any of those teams in the playoffs. And look, they've got the Bills, the Jets, the Raiders in the next three weeks. So they can go on a three-week run and, and, and torch all these teams and everyone will sing their praises again. I'm not going to buy into it one iota because at the end of the day, Alex Smith is still Alex Smith. He's kind of a rare quarterback where in a four-week stretch, we're talking about him as an MVP candidate. Well, not us, but the the football cognoscenti are mentioning him at least in MVP chatter. But now he's a bench candidate. Like, that's Alex Smith. Like, even when he's an MVP candidate, he's still a, a chance to be benched. Yeah, how many how many games did I boldly predict that Mahomes would play this year? I think it was about five or six. 
Um, so if that's going to happen, it needs to happen very, very quickly for that one to be salvaged. But yeah, you, you're not wrong in terms of you know the Kansas City Chiefs. They've already made, I guess, one small risk-free knee-jerk reaction, but they might need to make a major knee-jerk reaction before too long. If if the Chargers can get up this week, and if if the uh, the Chiefs uh, can't manage to get a win, although they really should be able to get a, a win this week, but. Yep. Um, if they need to make a huge move, potentially we do see uh, the gunslinger Patrick Mahomes come in. But you think about what has got the Kansas City Chiefs to that really strong start. Uh, Kareem Hunt was strong running the ball. Uh, their playmakers were doing what they needed to do, and we haven't seen that the last month. So the question about whether or not they can turn it around really comes down to whether or not we're going to see a rookie running back being able to get back to you know, early season form. Is he too fatigued? Does he not know how to play a full NFL 16-week schedule? Um, you know, Travis Kelsey needs to step it up. Tyreek Hill needs to be that explosive guy. Uh, but ultimately, it does come down to Alex Smith in the end of the day. So, yeah, yeah it be interesting times ahead. If they don't beat the Bills, um, you know, there's going to have to be swift change uh, before this season becomes even more embarrassing. Yeah, well, most of their games at the end of the season, the Chargers are the hardest game out of their last six games. So the Jets, Raiders, Bills, Dolphins, and Broncos are their other games. So, look, they should they should win out realistically, uh, barring a, a loss to the Chargers, which I um, I'm a higher on the Chargers than most. So, I, I, like, even if I'm generously just give the Chargers a win there, um, they should should finish the season five and one, given the, the teams that they're playing. So, any games that they drop here. Um, I'm just going to buy more into the frauds. Any game they win, they're still frauds in my eyes. So at the end of the day, the, <laughs> my eyes are not uh, red and white at this point. I, I just can't buy the Chiefs until they win a game. I can't wait to bet against Alex Smith in the playoffs. So, yep. Uh, moving on, second point in three-point stance. So this is, uh, we, we touched on it a little bit when we were talking about the Redskins game um, against the Giants where we previewed that earlier. But can the Redskins and Seahawks recover from these heartbreaking losses that they had uh, in in Week 11. Obviously, the Redskins, they blew blew that lead, the 15-point lead with three, I think it was three or four minutes left in that game um, and just crumbled. Uh, and then the Seahawks, um, should we talk about Pete Carroll's fake punt, uh, fake field goal before halftime? Or should we talk about them signing Blair Walsh after they saw him up close and personally and cashed in the game checks that he won for them by missing a, a crucial um, absolute sitter in the playoffs a few years ago. Exactly right. Um, yeah, the, the Redskins, absolutely not. They're cooked. Um, just based on the mathematics, uh, you're going to have to have 11 wins to, to be in the NFC playoffs this year for Which mine. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. They've got four wins on the board. You can't win seven games with six remaining. Uh, even if they run the table, it's going to be a very hot-field battle. Um, you know, Chris Thompson being down, Jordan Reed being forever injured. Um, this, this isn't a team that knows how to handle that adversity. Seattle potentially. Uh, I only say that because they're still within a sniff uh, of being able to win their own division, which is probably their best pathway to getting in the playoffs. Um, you know, they, they own the tiebreaker over LA. If they can get LA in a couple of weeks' time uh, and draw even and own that tiebreaker over them, that's probably Seattle's best chance uh, to recover. On the Pete Carroll decision, you know, that, that's the sort of thing that probably speaks to what the Seahawks are now versus what they used to be. That sort of play uh, is why the Seattle Seahawks made two straight Super Bowls because they were bold, uh, they were pulling off uh, trick plays like that, but more importantly, they knew how to target uh, certain schemes to, to take advantage of that sort of thing. It's not working for them now. 
Uh, so they need to find a new way to surprise teams. They need to find a new way to win. Um, you know, Russell Wilson can't do it on his own. They're down the LOB. Uh, so if they can't beat the Rams uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm calling them cooked as well. Yep. It's going to be uphill for both of these teams, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it is insane. that, And it's not a slight on either of these teams. I think both these teams are you know, definitely in the top, um, you know, I said 12 before I mentioned the Chargers. I think the Redskins and Chargers are very similar teams. Uh, I think the Redskins are probably the NFC version of the Chargers, but uh, I definitely think both these teams are sort of in the top 12 in terms of uh, NFL teams. But if both these teams or one of these teams was in the AFC, you'd lock them straight into yeah, the fifth or, fifth or sixth seed. Because, yeah. Absolutely you would. Yeah. It's, it's just really, really rough. Um, and as good as Russell Wilson has been, uh, it's just not good enough now without – Chancellor and Sherman um, and all these players. I'm surprised that they released Dwight Freeney. I thought on tape he looked fine in their defense. That That's a baffling move to me. Um, that might be a little bit of a panic move. And I think if if they do miss the playoffs by a game, that, that Pete Carroll decision, look, I know it was wide open out there and Grady Jarrett made a hell of a play, but I just don't understand the need to call that play there. I Look, I, under, I love risk-taking taking coaches and we probably would wax lyrical if they scored oh that's amazing but I still don't like the call at all I just think three points in the bank another half to go you're getting the ball back to start the second half you just take the easy three I I, that that move just baffles me and that could cost them as you said um it all depends on the Rams have we looked at the Rams schedule I know they've got some tough games obviously they played the uh the Saints this week which we'll get to I think that's the game of the week but They've got to play the Eagles as well. So They've got a... to play us. They've still got to play Seattle. Uh, I believe they have the Titans on the schedule as well. So uh, they've got a few easy games. They've still got the division Titans game. The Titans are trash, but uh, that's probably a uh, it's a road game. So we'll see how they go on that one. But they've yep. got some easy games. They've got the Niners and the Cardinals. Yep. Um, but yeah, of, of the last six, uh, three of them are going to be very difficult this week, uh, next week against the, the Birds. And, then in a couple of weeks against the Seahawks. Yeah, and in, but in saying that, the Seahawks also have to play uh, the Eagles uh, next week, uh, the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah, the Jaguars as well. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, going back to that play, not that we want to hark on it, but really there was three outcomes of that. They either score the touchdown, which is probably the low percentage outcome. They have what happened, and they don't, uh, they don't get it, and they lose three points. Or they somehow pull that off, get another first down, and then just kick the field goal anyway. So... Yeah, but the time would have run out. There was only like six seconds left. There's no way. Yeah, that, 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 exactly. So the outcome it's, was... It's, yeah. exactly. it's, a, it's a very low percentage play. Uh, if it was a goal line play, I probably would have uh, justified it wholeheartedly, but 20 yards out... But they can't uh, you, They can't run it in from the one, so... Yeah, well, that's true. So I think Pats fans watching this game were uh, probably just loving it. Um, Seattle struggled to, to, to run the ball in from the one in, in three straight plays bringing back memories, and the Falcons nearly blew a uh, fourth-quarter comeback there. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just evident that <laughs> these teams, um, they gave the Pats two rings there and uh, nearly gave each other a victory. But at the end of the day, the uh, the Pete Carroll decision could loom large in this playoff race because the Seahawks are a type of team, if they do make the playoffs, given how good Russell Wilson is and, and how good this defense is, even without Sherman and Chancellor, they still have a lot of playmakers that they could easily go on a run. So I think if you don't, if you have a playoffs without Seattle, I think the rest of the NFC is kind of relieved. Yeah, they would be, absolutely. All right, last uh, last three-point stance is, it's Thanksgiving. So 
I think we're just going to spend some time now, uh, uh, you know, what are we thankful for this NFL season? Uh, let's reflect on what we've seen in the first 11 weeks. Uh, Scott, what are you thankful for? Man, I am thankful that the Miami Dolphins brass grew tired of the J train. Uh, he has been a godsend for the Philadelphia Eagles. Not that our running game uh, really struggled, but, geez, watching that 71-yard run that Ajayi put off, even if he had no explosion and he got run down from behind by three guys, that was just majestic to watch. And the fact that Miami was happy to, to deal him for a fourth-round pick, I'm thankful for that. I'm almost, uh, also, almost, also extremely thankful uh, that Fletcher Cox has not ruined my marriage. Uh, for both... <laughs> For those who haven't uh, <laughs> haven't seen on the internet, uh, our good friend Fletcher Cox, uh, the great man, is currently being sued uh, for allegedly sleeping with another man's wife and quote unquote ruining his marriage. She so, loves she loves the Cox. She, well, it's not just Carson Wentz doing the scoring on that football team, which is amazing. Yeah, so. Look, sounds like their marriage came and went. Oh, this is this is elite level band right here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I did see that article today. I saw you tweeted it out. Um, I didn't see your note in the uh, in our uh, <laughs> show log there. That's fantastic. Um, all right, I'll I'll kick us off with some before you you, you scoot back. Um, I'm thankful for Chris Ballard. Um, I know the Colts look like a mess right now, but he is a knight in shining armor. Um, he's done the rounds a few weeks ago talking about the Colts and and fronting up to some tough questions and. He really made me, what's the word, I think feel a little bit more at ease about Andrew Luck um, because there's been some hyper, hyperbole in the media about his shoulder and career ending and and a lot of drama and overreaction where Chris, uh, Chris Ballard's been very consistent all season in what he said. He's never said that Andrew Luck would be back. He's never promised anything, and he's drafted really well. Um, we've got a good young talent there. His, his free agent signings, a lot of them have panned out really well. So I'm thankful for Chris Ballard and, and the future of the Colts. Um, what I'm not thankful for is that Chuck Pagano is still part of our organization. And maybe maybe Andrew Luck is in Europe because he just wants to distance himself as far as possible away from Chuck Pagano, who this week said his favorite Thanksgiving meal was spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> uh, I'm happy you shoehorn that in because uh, yeah, anytime we can take pot shots at, at Chuck Pagano, those are two incredible things to be thankful and unthankful for. I definitely agree. Um, you know, this hasn't been the Colts year for obvious reasons, but you can take a small victory in the fact that you haven't got Ryan Grigson running the show now. And, you know, the, the short term and long term future uh, at the GM position looks fairly strong. This might sound weird, but I'm extremely thankful for the status quo being shaken up. Um, even though we have Pittsburgh and New England at the top uh, in the AFC, the fact that we've got a fresh batch of teams that are relevant in November going into December is something that, you know, with all the injuries, which have obviously had a huge cloud over this year, I'm thankful that, you know, if there's a silver lining to all those injuries, it's allowed us to have teams like the Rams, the Vikings, the Jaguars, the Saints, the Eagles, you know, have their opportunity to really contend um, you know, and give their fan bases something to be extremely thankful about this year. So I like the status quo being shaken up. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. I, I like that one a lot. Um, it's fun having new teams in the mix every every year, as opposed from the as opposed to the same ones every year. Obviously, the AFC um, isn't quite doing that. But in saying that, in terms of the AFC, uh, what I'm thankful for is is some of the aging players still showing that they have it. Um, obviously, Tom Brady. 
um, is a name that comes to mind when you think of that. But there's some other ones as well like, that are still killing it despite despite their age. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald's one that comes to mind. I'm I'm thankful I get to watch him um, still play football no matter at an elite level, no matter the quarterback. But I'm also thankful at the same time for new players emerging and being superstars. You Adam Thielens, he's fastly becoming a very favorite player of mine. Uh, and a lot of these rookies, Alvin Kamara, I was a, a, a Kamara skeptic. You know that during the uh, the draft process, and he's he's lit it up for me. Uh, Dalvin Cook and, and Kareem Hunt, and I'm also thankful for these young quarterbacks because, um, and I know a lot of them are injured and not playing at the moment. But next year, I hope you know Touchwood that we'll get to see a lot more of these these guys playing in the NFL rather than a lot of these backups. Although I am thankful I get to watch Brock Osweiler, you know, throw a ball into a, a coach's face on the sideline um, every couple of weeks. Yeah, they're all good ones. It's a good time to be an NFL fan, that's for sure. Yeah, it is. And look, there's a lot of bad games, but at the same time, I'm also thankful for like you know the increase in analytics and, and, and focus on a lot of other minor positions that we don't haven't seen in the past. You know, um, if it went for you know like football outsiders film room and things like that, I wouldn't realize how good like someone like Grady Jarrett is every week or or a Melvin Ingram over the past two seasons. So it's definitely fun because you get to really truly appreciate uh, some of the, the smaller known players at other positions. Exactly right. I mean, being able to consume football like that rather than just look at X and O's and, and what's on the screen, even just go back to uh, last Thursday night where they had the, the spider cam. Oh, that was it's amazing. Almost like, almost like watching the old 22 where you can actually see how rates, routes are being broken um, and actually see all 22 guys rather than the camera just zooming in. Uh, on the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, it's definitely a lot better way to consume the football game, which is leading to smarter uh, NFL fans, which is what you want, because you want to be able to appreciate uh, what the football is really about rather than just watching the scoreboard. Yeah, I think I'll finish off Thanksgiving on a high, and I'll say I'm thankful for Tony Romo for not only being a shining light in the booth, but eliminating Phil Sims from our lives. Oh, that's that's almost the biggest gift we've ever got this year. Not just his elite level on the commentary box, but yeah, the fact that I, the fact that I haven't heard Phil Simms' voice uh, in you know, little under a year uh, has probably been uh, the best part of my 2017 for yep. sure. I still miss Phil Simms' quotes, uh, the Twitter page though. So uh, rest in peace. He's out there somewhere. He's not dead. Yep. You know he'll be back. He'll be back. Super Bowl picks. All right, Scott. Super Bowl pick. Lay it out for me. What's your pick this week? I am jinxing who I want to jinx, so I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints up against the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in this one. The AFC is a two-horse race. We know it's probably going to be uh, the Pats at Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh at the Pats uh, in the the conference championship. That will probably be decided in a couple of weeks when they go head-to-head at Heinz Field. Um, So I'll go with Pittsburgh at that one. Uh, And for New Orleans, in what's going to be a very tight NFC race, I'm going to go with the quarterback and coach who have been there before. Um, Yeah, they're doing it in a different way uh, with different new guys. You mentioned Lattimore uh, and Alvin Kamara, even guys like Ted Ginn who are able to contribute to this team. And Drew Brees is going to get back there to try and win the game without being uh, the be-all, end-all and carrying this Saints team. It'd be good to actually see New Orleans make it uh, carrying Drew Brees, so to speak. Yep. Uh, you mentioned Ted Ginn. Funny you say that. You, you want to guess how many catches Willie Sneed has this year? Seven. He has two. Two catches this season. I know he missed the first few weeks with a suspension, but he has two. So Ted Ginn, 
Brendan Coleman and Alvin Kamara pretty much eliminated Willie Sneed, who looked like a, an absolute breakout candidate this year, given what he did last year. Just obsolete. Gone. Don't need him. Yeah, and even with Brandon Cooks being traded, you thought that this was time for Willie Sneed to step up. But you know, I picked this in the bold picks that uh, Ted Ginnon was going to be the guy. And yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing how quickly uh, a player's fortunes can change in this league. Yeah. Uh, so that suspension's obviously cost him very dearly. It's crazy. Uh, all right, my uh, Super Bowl pick is is the Stop the Drought Bowl. I think one of, you know, this is a bit of a fun segment, but the Chargers v. Vikings would be a fun Super Bowl for me. Both these teams, um, you know, it's been a long, long time for their cities. Um, I think it would be a really fun Super Bowl where you you just, it's a fairy tale no matter what. Yeah, San Diego, not just outside of the Chargers. Obviously, they're not in San Diego anymore, but I'm sure the people in San Diego would love to see this team yep. uh, make the Super Bowl. I believe they've got the longest uh, championship drought of any major city with at least, or they don't have two teams anymore, but of at least two teams. So, um, yeah, it'd be very interesting if they just strolled into LA, uh, win a Super Bowl in uh, in front of a a soccer stadium crowd. Um, I'm not sure that parade's going to be very interesting, but yeah, good good pick. I like an onion hanger, and that's an onion hanger. Yep. Snap. We'll get to the rest of week 12 now. We, we previewed Thanksgiving at the top of the show. So let's start with uh, some, uh, some uneventful games here. But Buffalo traveling to Kansas City. Tyrod Taylor got the, got the rightly got the start this week. Um, so he's going to take on the Chiefs. Um, but in saying that, look, I'm taking the Chiefs. I don't believe in them. I think they're frauds. But I don't buy into the Bills as much either. But I would love, I would love, love, love it if Tyrod just pulled out a, a, an amazing game for the ages and just, uh, you know, stuck a middle finger to the Bills organization. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with the Chiefs uh, purely for being the home team and uh, probably wanted to make a, a bit of a point after a pretty embarrassing uh, game last week. But, yeah, it would be great if Tyrod Taylor... Here's a fun fact for you. Uh, in standard ESPN Fantasy League, despite only playing a half of football last week, Tyrod Taylor finished in the top 10 for quarterback. So... Nice middle finger for him yeah, and, uh, to uh, go out there in the second half. NFL.com's James Coe, actually, um, in one of his articles, still mentioned that even though Peter was starting, that he still doesn't mind you playing Tyrod Taylor because he predicted that he said that it could be a scenario where if you're desperate, Peterman gets benched and Tyrod could still come on and outscore Peterman and uh, be down late. And, and he pretty much nailed the, the whole game scenario. And uh, so if anyone took his advice, kudos to you, because that that worked out pretty well. Exactly right. Uh, all right, so we're both take, taking the Chiefs. Carolina Panthers travel to the New York Jets. Um, by the way, every single team in the AFC technically still, um, quote-unquote, in the hunt. Um, there was a report uh, by someone on Reddit, and it got picked up by all the major networks. But um, for the Browns to still make the uh, playoffs, it's a 19 19- quintillion to one odds so i think they need the results of about 58 games to to go their way for them to make the uh, playoffs as the sixth seed but in saying that the jets is technically still uh in the playoff hunt as well and they've got a home game they've actually um covered uh all of their home games here uh, uh because they haven't been favorites in in any of them and they've actually won three outright at home so it's a tough spot for the panthers um, i know they've had the bye week but the last time we saw them, it was a very, very impressive win against what I think is one of the worst three teams in the NFL in the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, if, if Carolina uh, is worth anything this year, if they're going to contend to try and uh, pip the Saints for that division, they need to beat uh, the New York Jets the same way they beat the Miami Dolphins. But the Jets are plucky. 
you know, Robbie Anderson's coming on uh, defensively. Um, you know, they've they've been able to do some things, and I wouldn't put it past uh, the New York Jets to, to get up in this one, but I think Carolina, you know, this is a business end of the year, and they know that if they want to keep pace and win this division, uh, even though they, I think they've still got both games against the Saints, uh, might have only, yeah. only had the one. No, but, that's correct. Um, yeah, they, they need to win this game, and I'm going to go with Carolina. Yeah, and as you said when you were covering the Lions, that you know the good teams need to beat up on the bad teams, and this is the type of uh, this is the type of game that the uh, that the Panthers need to win, and this is this is it. So they have they have played the Saints uh, earlier this year. They lost 34 to 13. So they play them next week, though. Sorry, um, I. <laughs> I got that. I got my wires crossed in terms of the Panthers' schedule, but yeah, we're both taking the Panthers uh, to beat the Jets. But we wouldn't be surprised if the Jets, uh, in Josh McCowan, purchased the JM15 cookbook today, um, can pull one out of uh, out of nowhere. Chicago Bears travel to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have been a complete juggernaut this season. Um, you mentioned being thankful for J Train. Um, that sort of four pronged uh, running back attack has just been unbelievable. It's, it, it enables. Ajayi to be fresh and, and bust off these long runs and, and Clement can come on and do it. All all he does all he see he's the he's the Will Fuller of running backs. All he does is score touchdowns, Corey Clement. Yeah, Corey Clement. Uh, I picked it at the start of the year. Uh, I said he was gonna be the, the clear number one running back, but yeah, he's an undrafted free agent that a lot of people in Philadelphia were really high on and you seeing that. Um yeah, he is fine in the end zone and not really doing much more, but that's his role in the offense. Um, you know, he's been a perfect uh, replacement for Darren Sproles uh, this year. So I'm really happy with Corey Clement. Uh, but, you know, the Eagles, they're playing the Bears this week. And, you know, like we've said uh, a couple of times, the good teams need to absolutely trounce the bad teams. The Eagles, the last four games, have hung 30 points, at least uh, 30 on every team. That's including hanging 30 uh, in the first half against the Broncos and the last half against the Cowboys. Uh, so even if you remove four consecutive quarters of football from the Eagles, that streak would still be intact. And in that four quarters, they scored 27 points. So yep. uh, they're a juggernaut at the moment. I'm going to shoehorn in my favorite stat uh, so far. The Eagles in their last five games alone, which includes a game uh, against the Carolina Panthers on that Thursday night, mm-hmm. have scored 183 points. So in that whole season, the Browns, Dolphins, Giants, Bengals, 49ers, Bears, Cardinals, and Colts haven't even hit 183. And the Broncos are on 183 even. So the Eagles in the last five weeks are outscoring what we consider bad teams uh, for the entire season. So yep. the Bears are plucky. Um, and, you know, nah, I don't want to jinx not, the Eagles. Not away from home. They're not plucky. They're, they're, not, they're, winning not, this, they're, they're not winning this game. It's a lock. If this, if this comes down to a Connor Bath field goal, which will probably be impossible considering he got cut. Yep. Um, it's Cairo. You know, they've gone Egyptian. Cairo Santos, yeah. Yep. No, no, no way, no way. Uh, Eagle, no, Eagles no. win. Eagles win. That's this, an easy. This is a clear. This is a clear spot. Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals. You know, I said every team is technically still in the a, in the AFC hunt, but they're a team that, um, you know, since AJ Green's been called soft, he's kind of taken over games and been dominant. And Andy Dalton's um, found him early and often, and it's been a, a good recipe for them. And they're they're quite saucy on defense. I don't think people realize how good this Cincinnati defense is, and they're not. They're not a star-studded team, but they, they get the job done and they're a tough team to score points on. And we saw that um, last week and we've seen that throughout the season. So, you know, they're, they're 12th ranked in DVOA defense. They're, 
they're a solid team. Um, I can see them making the playoffs as the sixth seed, the, the Bengals. In saying that, I can see that with a lot of teams, but I can see them uh, very easily beating the Browns here, and I think that'll happen. I think the lowest, uh, I think the win over the last sort of four or five games has been 13 points um, for the Bengals in terms of their wins over the Browns. So they've owned this matchup the last few years. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals are not very inspiring. Um, they sort of just are. They're, they're, they're not a team that you, unless they're playing on prime time, you know, that Thursday night or against Houston was, I think, their only prime time game this year. But oh, unless they're playing on prime awesome. time, you're not exactly, uh, you know, tuning in to see what the Cincinnati Bengals are doing. Yeah, obviously, on the face of it, they're not inspiring. But as you mentioned, there are a few metrics that do suggest that the Bengals, you know, are capable of doing something. Uh, whether or not it means that uh, everyone's favorite playoff holiday, West of Us, is going to. Uh, come around again this year. We'll yep. wait and see in a very poor uh, AFC. The Browns have got to win a, a game at some point. Um, I'm not going to pick them here. Um, I think the Bengals are, are doing enough. Um, I think the Browns. You know, to... The Browns will win. That, I think they've circled the Packers game against Brett Hudley as their uh, their win <laughs> for the year. Yeah, it's it's going to be one of those games. I think nobody outside of of Ohio really cares about, um, but certainly within that state. Um, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting. All right, both taking the Bengals there. This one, I'm not going to spend even any time on. Miami Dolphins, they're 17-point underdogs on the road at the Patriots. Patriots are, um, depending on how you have it, the, the number one or number two team in the NFL. Um, I still have them as the number one team, as impressive as the Eagles are. I just Bill Belichick is just such a big difference maker. We saw Pete Carroll completely screw up um, the first half, and it just even the good coaches make bad decisions, but Bill Belichick... A bad decision, so rare. Um, so they're just they're the, they're the best team in the NFL for me against one of the worst three teams in the NFL. Um, the Pats win and win comfortably. Yeah, this this seems to me like the uh, a sixty burger kind of game. To be oh, honest boy. with you, yeah. um, I think you we'll know, see. It, I think we'll see Brian Hoyer. Like what? What? What's the what minute in the second half? Do you think we'll see Brian Hoyer? Oh, third, I'm third say quarter. Tom Brady, Tom Brady throws his. Six touched. Oh, sorry, we'll say he's seventh. Uh, actually, no, because nah. if he if he hits seven, then he's probably too proud and want to go away. I'll I'll say that Tom Brady throws his fourth touchdown, which will probably be the eighth New England touchdown, and they <laughs> they put Hoyer in halfway through the third quarter. Yeah, I'm gonna go with seven and a half minutes left in the third quarter. We'll see uh, Brian Hoyer. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, both taking the Pats. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, still. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will play. I think they're still holding out uh, Winston just to be safe. Um, traveling to Atlanta, who finally showed something. What we saw from their offense against the Seahawks is what we've been expecting all year long. Uh, Tevin Coleman looked good without, in the absence of Devontae Freeman. I don't. He's not playing this week, so we'll get him back uh, probably the week after that. So that's a good sign for Atlanta. But their offense was clicking on all cylinders, playing at home against the Bucks team that, you know, they've won a couple in a row, but against bad teams. And Fitzpatrick is not going into Atlanta and, and winning against this defense. Uh, I think the Falcons win and win comfortably. Yeah, it's a bit of a trap game. Uh, the Falcons have, have had two really good wins in the, you know, the grand scheme of their season. We spoke a couple of weeks ago that the game against the Cowboys was, was almost a do or die game for them in terms of where their season was going. And, you're obviously trending in the right in the right direction. Adrian Claiborne, the past two weeks, oh, what a, has been beyond what uh, impactful. Um, yeah, you know, if you if you thought his game against the Cowboys uh, was obviously extremely good to get six six sacks, 
uh, what he was able to do last week against uh, Seattle as well. I'll go with Lancer here uh, at home. They, they're finally hitting their straps. It looks as though Steve Sarkeesian, don't want to jinx it too early, but it appears as though uh, he's finally worked out uh, how this offense looks uh, mm. compared to you know the Matt Ryan and uh, Shanahan-led teams of yesteryear. So, yeah, Atlanta keeps the ball rolling and, and puts the pressure on Carolina and, and New Orleans to let them know that you know they're still lurking in the background. Definitely, uh, we could see we could see three teams from uh, from the South uh, in the uh, NFC playoffs. So watch that space. Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts, Colts at home off a bye. Jacoby Reset still in the concussion protocol, but all sort of signs are pointing to him playing, given that extra week uh, with the bye there, um, giving them a little bit of cushion. Uh, I want to tip the Colts here because I really think the Titans are bad and the Colts really push them. Um, on the road when they played last time. They just, uh, in typical Pagano fashion, uh, the bed in, sorry, crap the bed in the fourth quarter. I meant to hit my uh, drop there, so you got a little swear word out of me, a, a, a rare slip up from me on the soundboard. But uh, I do think the Colts will definitely push them in this game, but I'm going to go the old reverse jinx where it's a win-win scenario for me and I'll take the Titans. Uh, I'll, I'll give you me picking the Colts. Uh, it's, it's a rare one. You know, the Indianapolis Colts obviously coming off a bye, but they're, they're playing against a team that's coming off uh, a little mini bye uh, in their own right, having the Titans play on that Thursday. So not really too much of an advantage in terms of being fresh. Uh, I, I really went with the home team on this one. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans got up. Obviously, the Titans are playing for their playoff lives yep. uh, at this point. So if they, if they want to win that division... Uh, these are the sort of games you obviously need to win the division, the division games. Yep. Um, you know, but the, the Colts are due for one. Yep. Um, so I'll give it to them. Yep. If Marcus Marietta has another bad game, we're talking about him next week because Jameis Winston seems to cop a lot of criticism and Marcus Marietta seems to escape it. I don't understand it. Um, I guess it's just the territory that comes with sort of Winston's pass and crab legs and hard knocks and eating the W's and all that sort of stuff. And Mariota's more of a quiet achiever, so maybe the, the criticism's quiet as well. But he has not been great this year, so um, that's definitely a conversation um, we, we could have potentially uh, next week. But moving on, the Saints, uh, they travel to the Rams in the game of the week, I think. This is a, this is the game. Uh, Greg Rosenthal from uh, NFL.com was really pushing the hashtag Flex Nola movement, and I really wish they did flex this into... Uh, to Sunday Night Football. I'd much rather watch that than Brett Hunley in primetime again. Um, remember, he was in primetime just two weeks ago. Um, but I'm going to take the Saints. I think they win this game. Um, I, I am a little bit concerned that Marshall and Lattimore is probably not going to play. He was seen in a walking boot. And he's it's crazy how much of an, an impact a rookie corner's made on a, on a defense. But you saw Washington start to score with ease the minute he went down. And early on in the year, when the first few weeks, when we thought, oh, the... New Orleans Saints defense, it's never getting better. Time's a flat circle. It's the same story ever, over and over again. But it was Lattimore's emergence that really transformed this team and, and shut down you know, one side of the field, which enabled the pass rushers and, and their, their defensive linemen to, to feast and, and make plays. So um, I am keen to see how that pans out. But obviously the, the Rams lost Robert Woods last week and a couple of corners are injured as well. I just think the Saints will be able to control the clock a little bit more with, with Kamara and Ingram, and I really like what I saw from Drew Brees. Finally, they asked him to win a game for them, and he showed that he still can do it. So I'm going to take the Saints. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Rams uh, on this one. You're absolutely correct. This should have been flexed into the uh, the Sunday night slot. The quiet storm, Mark Slessler sort of said, he'd love to be able to see any game from week five. Uh, they should just have a, a clean slate in terms of what the primetime game is and make that call uh, two weeks out. Um, yeah, because this is a sort of game uh, this time late in the year. I mean, obviously, at the start of the year, you, you wouldn't have this on primetime, but this has NFC, you know, top two seed uh, implications on it. Um, the Rams have got their backs against the wall in that race, considering they lost to the Vikings. Um, they know they've got the Eagles coming up next as well. Um, so this is the sort of game that, you know, if, if they want to make some noise uh, in, the, in the playoffs, they don't want to be traveling. Uh, they want to be able to go into the Coliseum and, and do things their way. Yep. And I think just coming off, I mean, they, they weren't terrible last week against the Vikings. They were in that game uh, for most of the time. And, and the Saints, they showed that they're vulnerable, um, you know, if not for a miraculous comeback, which obviously speaks to their level, um, you know, of of superiority in terms of being able to actually win games of football like good teams do. Um, it shows they're vulnerable. So if, if LA can can have the game on their terms uh, and, and really be explosive and, and, and fast-paced in the way that they've been able to beat teams this year, um, yeah, they might be able to exploit a few holes that the Saints have, and it'll be a close one, uh, but I'll go the Rams. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that game. Uh, Seattle Seahawks travel to the San Francisco 49ers. Not going to say too much about this. Um, I do think they made the right call, the 49ers, in giving Bethard another chance. I think he earned another start, given the way he played uh, in their last fixture. And why would you rush Jimmy G into it if, if Bethard is at least showing you something and showing that he can be a backup for you? Um, down the stretch, and uh, they've got the win. They've got that off their back now. They can um, focus on next season and, and not risk Jimmy G at the hands of Michael Bennett and, and Bobby Wagner and co. Um, I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks. It's a pretty simple match. Yeah, I mean, Seattle's the, the easy call here. Um, you know, the Garoppolo stuff, it's really interesting. They obviously feel as though they know what they're going to get from Garoppolo. So, you know, fair play to them. They're giving Bethard every opportunity to at least show that uh, he's got some value as well. Um, you know, we were guilty of this the other week to sort of say, you know, they bought in Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, best of luck with your future endeavours to, to CJ Beathard. But, you know, fair play, as I said, to the 49, 49ers organisation to, at the very least, you know, give Beathard, um, you know, as bad as that O-line has been, and he's been, you know, beaten hard, excuse the pud, um, yeah, they're giving him that opportunity. Um, but, yeah, that's Seattle front, um, even without LOB, that's Seattle front. Um, I think Pete Carroll is going to come out a little bit vengeful this week and, and want to make a statement. Yep. Uh, the last few games, a lot of them are, are not great, so uh, we'll, we'll try and be brief here. Uh, the Broncos uh, travel to the Raiders. Uh, I'm taking the Broncos. Uh, I want to see how Paxton Lynch plays. I think their defense steps up um, a lot a lot better and makes some plays. Uh, I just don't think this Raiders team is, is that great. Uh, I think they're... Both really bad teams. Um, I think Derek Carr got a little bit overrated last year. Um, so I'm going to take the Broncos on the road. I'm going to go with Oakland, uh, the home team. Uh, let's see what Pagano can do. In saying that, though, perfect team uh, for Paxton Lynch to come out for the first time uh, to play against a defense that's not being able to uh, you know, really put too much pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Yep. Um, but, last last yeah. in DVOA defense. Exactly right, but... Yeah, I just got this sneaky feeling that uh, Oakland will be out to pip this one. It's not going to be a very inspiring game, 
Uh, although when I say that, it's probably going to be the game of the week, probably. knowing the way that the NFL works. Yeah, definitely. Jacksonville Jaguars t- travel to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Uh, you've got this Jags-Saxonville defense that's just killing people, taking on Blaine Gabbert. Um, as, as, as a cult hero Blaine Gabbert is, I can't see him um, winning this game. So I'm taking the Jags to win this one. Um, I think they should uh, swarm Gabbert. There's a lot of injuries for the Cardinals up front. Um, I think they'll uh, input their will on this, uh, on this Cardinals team. Man, the Blaine Gabbert revenge game. This is going to be uh, this is going to be strong. <laughs> One hell yeah, of a party. Ja- ja- Jags are the easy pick here. Yep. Uh, Green-, Green Bay Packers, Pittsburgh Steelers. Brett Hundley taking on the buzzsaw of the Steelers team after their impressive Thursday night football game, where the offense finally put it together and, and put up thirty points uh, in a game for the first time this season at home. Uh, I am going to take the Steelers, but I am wary of a of a Mike Tomlin losing a game to a a really, really bad team. He has a tendency to do this, um, normally on the road, so at home, a different, sto- different story, and obviously Big Ben. Um, I don't like the narrative that he's better at home, but when you look at his stats as a simple box score, um, it, it just it adds up. I can't see too many areas where the Packers are going to be able to exploit uh, the Steelers, even if Huntley uh, is able to you know, play have a strong game um, you know, and, and make a difference unlike previous weeks. I just can't see any area where the Steelers are going to allow the Packers to have any uh, supremacy here. So the Pittsburgh Steelers for mine. Yep. And the last game, and it's an absolute barn burner for Monday Night Football, Houston Texans, Baltimore Ravens. Oh, boy, get excited. Tom Savage taking on this swarming Baltimore Ravens defense. What could go wrong for the Texans? Taking the Ravens, I think they win. And if Joe Flacco can just show a little bit, just show a little something, like just be less crap, um, the Ravens are an interesting sixth seed for the AFC playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens are easily the, the clubhouse leader. Obviously, it's easy to say that when they're in the playoffs, but um, you know, they, these are the sort of games that make it easy to see how the Ravens are going to be able to fall ass backwards into the playoffs. It's going to be fun to see Alex Collins, who's clearly been the offensive MVP for this team this season, uh, gets the opportunity on prime time and, you know, for all the struggles that the Seattle Seahawks have had the last few years in the running game, uh, to see Alex Collins walk to another team, and if he can make some noise on primetime on Monday night, uh, <laughs> it might break a few hearts in Seattle. Yep, definitely. Uh, Scott, that wraps up our uh, Week 12 pre-snap picks. Good luck. Uh, before we head off, where can people find you and uh, and uh, listen or, or read uh, some of your stuff? I would assume Twitter. Uh, they can find me on the streets where people hoon in their uh, their souped-up cars. Yep. Uh, but they can find me on Twitter, at Sportrepreneur. Uh, just look for the pug face wearing a, a bow tie yep. uh, with the name Scott. Yep. Plenty of hot takes on there. Feel free to give me a follow. I'm happy to bant uh, and talk football with you guys anytime. So uh, give us a follow. And, yeah, appreciate being back on the pod. It's always, it's always great fun. And, Hopefully I did uh, you justice once again. Yeah, mate, you do a superb job uh, as always. Yeah, you're always uh, that's why you're on my speed dial on my phone. Like you, um, when I just even in general, not even in my pod phone, just a normal phone. You're you're the speed dial on the on that phone for me. So appreciate it. Have a have a good Thanksgiving, Scott. I'm thankful for your appearance and uh, and uh, we'll talk again soon. See you, buddy. Thanks for listening to another installment of the Woot and Why Show. Check out previous episodes at wootenwide.com and on iTunes.
And follow each of the boys on Twitter at This Is Woot and at JYNFL. Or you can follow the podcast at Woot and Y.